0: The preacher said out loud, If I had all the beer in the world, I'd take it and throw it into the river. And the congregation shouted, Amen. And if I had all the wine in the world, I'd take it and throw it in the river. And the congregation shouted, Amen. And if I had all the whiskey and rum in the world, I'd take it all and throw it into the river. And again, the congregation shouted, Amen. The preacher sat down. And the deacon then stood up and said, for our closing hymn, let's turn to page 126 of our hymn books, and we will sing, we shall drink from that river. (laughs) And the congregation shouted, hallelujah. (laughs) It's good stuff, but the deacon, what is a deacon? Deacon. That's what our text is addressing today. So we're in 1 Timothy 3, 8-13, to if you want to turn there, open that up on your phone. But deacon means a lot of different things to a lot of different people depending on their experience, especially with church. To some, it's, it's guys who help the pastor. To some, it's, it's people that take care of the physical tasks in a church. To others, it's a church board. That makes all the decisions, um, and to some of you, it's just Wake Forest College mascot. So, deacon just means a little different, a uh, little different thing to everyone. But what does it actually mean in Scripture? Well, as we're going to see, this this word used in our passage today literally means servant. Servant. So, in Mark ten, Jesus it said that Jesus came not to be served. Same root word there for deacon, but to serve. Same word there, deacon, and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, it's unclear on purpose about what this looks like in each church structure. See, God gave the liberty to each church to figure out how to best structure leaders and servants within a church. And more later on how we at Stonebridge structure it. But for now, just know that these are leaders underneath the elders' main leadership. With the main goal being service. Serving God and serving other people. If elders, the main shepherds of the church, are servant leaders, deacons are lead servants. And this is all of us to some degree. If you are engaged at any level within our church family, you are called to be a lead servant. Now, it's been an incredible transformation here in our church over the last few years. We really have gone from a lot of spectators to a lot of people that are serving. And again, more on that later. But for all practical purposes... If this is your church home, you are called to be a deacon. You are called to be a servant here. So let's read the scripture. 1 Timothy 3, 8-13. Deacons, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Wives, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not slanderers, self-controlled, faithful in everything. Deacons are to be husbands of one wife, managing their children and their households competently. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So verse 8, deacons, likewise, should be worthy of respect. The main qualification for deacons or people who are serving within the church under the elders' main leadership is that they should be worthy of respect. And you put that together with the literal definition of the word deacon, servant. Deacons are respectable servants. If you're going to serve in God's family, you are called to be a respectable servant. And every other qualification in this scripture falls underneath this one, being respectable now, unlike elders that we talked about last week in 1 Timothy 3, 1-7, these can and should be women as well. Verse 11, it says wives. Now, some translations say women, and most translations have a little footnote. It could be translated, that word could be wives or women. But I believe it's women, and here's how I know that. Here's how I landed on that. First, In the original language, in the Greek, the pronoun their, T-H-E-I-R, before wives, like their wives, is not there. Now, several other times, Paul, in his writings, when he's addressing wives, will put that pronoun, their wives. Here, he doesn't. So, I believe it means women. Another reason I'm convinced of this, secondly, is that Thomas Schreiner said it this way, if the reference is to wives of deacons... Why does Paul omit a reference to the wives of elders? Particularly since elders exercise pastoral oversight and overall leadership in the church. It would seem the character of the wives of elders would be even more important than the wives of deacons. And thus focusing on the wives of deacons, but not on the wives of elders, is strange. And I agree with that. Because, and I've, I've seen that firsthand. The, the wife of the elders, the main shepherds of the church... Their character and, and who they are has way more of an effect than the wives of the deacons. Why, why would he just address those for the deacons? Seems strange. Third reason is, is just this. Why would God mandate that women cannot lead in any capacity within a church? It's one thing to say that, okay, here's who I want the main leaders to be. I want them to be males, and that's rooted in the creator, all of this. But, but why would he have half the congregation, and you go, no, nope, you can't lead. Oh, and, and by the way, your women's ministry got to be led by a man. Just doesn't, just doesn't quite make sense. You don't want some dude leading your women's ministry within the church. So outside of the primary leaders and, sh- and shepherds, the elders, it's absolutely vital for a healthy church to have females who are leading. We need and encourage women to use their gifts and abilities to the fullest here at Stonebridge. When both men and women are stepping up and being lead servants, health and flourishing are sure to follow in a church family. However, when men are pushing women out of leadership, besides eldership, unhealth will result in a church family. Or when women are trying to take God-designed roles, the God-designed roles of elders, which are for men, there is unhealth that follows. So in 1 Timothy 3.11 here, women are encouraged to lead within the church. And at Stonebridge, we encourage women to lead in significant, vital ways regularly. You actually just witnessed it. So Esther was up here leading worship today. And thank you for doing that, Esther. I appreciate it. We all appreciate it. But half of our service today, and she does an incredible job. But we got today both the shepherding of this, of spiritually, of uh, uh, like a spiritual mom and a spiritual dad figure. And, it's, and that is beautiful. Now, there's no doubt who the, the leaders are of this church, or even this, within this service, there's no doubt who the elder, the leader, the shepherd, the main shepherd was, myself. But we benefited from both male and female leadership here today as we gather. And our church family needs both moms and dads, so to speak, leading and loving Well, just like in a healthy home. Now again, as with elders, character is greater than competency. So even more so here with deacons, notice there's no skills mentioned in this list. Certainly you need some skills for specific tasks or, or people that you're serving or areas that you're leading. But just like elders, character is more important. Character is king. So I want to go through these, and and I want you to just point out in this list four signs of respectable lead servants, or of deacons. And the first one is that they're balanced. Verse 8 says, Deacons, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money. So the concept is that they shouldn't be excessive with anything in their lives. They need to have a balanced relationship with everything in their life. And the flow of thought here, I think Paul's just going, hey, if you're not excessive with alcohol and you're not excessive with money, if you get those two big things down, you're well on your way to living a non-excessive life, a more balanced life. And here there's two main reasons why being balanced or not excessive matters for lead servants within a church. And first, it's this. It tangibly shows others that God is your God in everyday life. Alcohol isn't my God. Money isn't my God. Nothing is God except God to me. It proves to everyone around you that nothing has hooked your heart like God has. Now, I love barbecue, And I love going to barbecue restaurants, and I like watching barbecue shows as well. And something I've learned, I actually don't enjoy barbecuing myself. I'll throw something on a flat iron, and that's about where it ends. But it just takes a lot of time, but I appreciate others who take a lot of time. So if you ever want to feed me some barbecue, I'm all in. But I've been watching some shows, and I've learned about these things called hanger steaks, okay? And it's It's what it sounds like. You take a steak, and it's especially good for cooking over a fire or cooking over in a smoker by just putting a big old hook in it, and it just hangs there and cooks, Um, and it looks really good. I've never actually had one. Um, But so here's where I'm going with this. If our hearts are like that hanger steak over the fire, and we just have one big hook in there, it's going to cook properly. So if our heart is connected to God, it's, it's going to go well. Our, our hearts are going to be shaped and formed in the way he wants them. But if we let other hooks get caught in there, like if you're trying to cook this hanger steak and other hooks get in there and the meat starts getting pulled and yanked this way and that way, it's not going to cook right. It's not going to taste very good. So having a balanced life means keeping God as the main hook of our heart and every other hook that tries to pierce Into our hearts, into our minds, into our affections, we remove and get out of there. So the the first main reason why having a balanced or non-excessive life matters for lead servants is that it tangibly shows others that no one else, nothing else has hooked your heart. And secondly, it's very practical. It shows that they're trustworthy with tasks. It shows that they're trustworthy with a budget, with people, with information, If they've demonstrated already in their own life that they can live uh, in a balanced way, in a non-excessive way, it shows that they'll treat the same responsibilities that they're given within the church with the same balance. And so we can actually trust them to serve and to lead well. I mean, just think of it like this. There would be nothing worse within a church than having a finance leader that's excessive with money in their everyday life, right? It just wouldn't work out. So second sign of a respectable lead servant, of a deacon, is that they're amazed by Jesus. Amazed by Jesus. Verse 9, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. The mystery of the faith. So there's an awe, there's a wonder at the fact that Jesus has saved them. They're not just simply serving other people within the church family. They're amazed by Jesus as their fuel to serve other people. And it says they're holding the mystery of faith. So they're, they're holding it. They're absolutely convinced of the truth of the word of God, and they know it. They're, they're not just fixing things around a church building. Lots of people can fix things, but we're, we're not looking for people who can merely fix things. We're looking for people who have their hearts that are captured by the king, who are amazed by Jesus. And, oh, you can help with this or that? Great. Come on board. Deacons are not just in charge of physical tasks. We actually see this in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. And I've got this on the screen for you if you want to follow along. In those days, this is in the early church. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, It would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip Prochorus. Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. Names are a little tough sometimes. So like everything, um, just about everything about the church in the book of Acts, and as we learned that a few years ago when we went through Acts, it is descriptive of what was happening then, not necessarily prescriptive. So just because they did it This certain particular way in the early church does not necessarily mean that's exactly how we should do it now. But there are always timeless principles to learn. And one of them, I just simply wanted to point this out about this text this morning. Twice, the guys who are selected as deacons, it says, are full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. So these are not people who merely are good at a certain task or are eager to serve within a church. They, first and foremost, are full of the Spirit. They're amazed by God. They are close with God. See, there's no, this isn't some second-rate serving and leading. This is critical. So within a church family, it's so important that they're amazed by Jesus. One of them here in Acts 6, Stephen, in fact, shares the gospel As he's being martyred, killed for his faith. You can keep reading in Acts. Incredible story. I mean, that's a far cry from simply waiting on tables. See, deacons must be amazed by Jesus. And they may not be the most articulate about what they believe. But they are absolutely convinced of it and amazed and changed by Jesus and his word. Third, respectable lead servants must be proven Verse 10, they must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Tested first. Proven blameless. Now this could look different, even in different contexts and ministries, even within the same church of how they're proven. But like, for example, at Stonebridge, you need to be a part, an active part of a connection group and have that leader work with you and train you up to lead occasionally before you will become a connection group leader at our church. Observed leadership, proven leadership. Another example, um, Randy Shaver, who's part of our, sorry, he is our finance team leader now. He was a part of that finance team for a couple years and, and proved that he was a trustworthy leader of financial things within our church first. In verse 11, it says they need to be faithful in everything. So, very practically speaking, if, if you don't prove to be faithful to follow through on a task, let's just say painting a wall, we need a wall painted, we, I don't think we need a wall painted, but if we needed a wall painted, um, if you don't prove to be faithful in following through with that, then you've proven that you probably won't be fa- a faithful member of a leadership team or in a leadership role. So they need to be proven and faithful The fourth sign of a respectable liege servant is that they need to be consistent. Verse 12 here. Deacons are to be husbands of one wife, managing their children and their own households competently. So this means, verse 12, they need to be consistently faithful to their spouse. Consistently shepherding, disciplining, and loving their kids if they have kids. In verse 8, they need to be not hypocritical, or other versions say not double-tongued. They need to not be saying one thing and then doing the other. There needs to be less and less disconnect between their private life and their public life. They're consistently the same person at home, at work, with their friends, wherever they're at, whoever they're with. And to some degree, if we're just honest, We are all hypocritical and double-tongued. But it's not talking here about perfection. Remember last week when we were looking at elders. We're we're talking about, is their rhythm and cadence of life this? Who are they known as? Are they known as being a hypocrite? Or are they known as being consistent? Because consistency is incredibly important because as a deacon or as a a leader within any church, you are representing Christ's church, which means you're representing Christ himself. Consistency is equally important when you inevitably do sin and live inconsistently. So verse 9, it said that they they have a clear conscience. So are you consistently living with a clear conscience? Conscience, which means when you make a mistake, do you own it and do you repent of it? And do you re- own it and repent of it to God and to others that it has affected? Are you living in the light, as John talks about in 1 John? Are you, is nothing hiding in the dark? See, because of what Jesus accomplished through this death and resurrection, our conscience can be cleared when we repent and confess our sins. And lead servants need to lead the way in consistently confessing and repenting of their sin. And this really is where the rubber meets the road for living consistently. It means we're not hiding our mistakes and our sins and our imperfections just so that we look godly on the outside. See, many churches have a culture that almost encourages hiding your mistakes and your sin. And certainly they don't do that intentionally, right? But you can become so a fo- focused and a church can become so focused at appearing good, quote unquote, on the outside that there becomes this unwritten rule that we, we have to be good at hiding things. But we need to be a church and deacons and anyone within a church needs to humbly, regularly, And specifically, confess and repent of their sins and then seek help from their church family to change and to grow. And if we do that consistently, that's attractive. See, no one wants a set of rules that they can't live up to, right? But everyone wants to live without having to hide. Everyone wants genuine growth with the help of other people in their life. So together, let's make Stonebridge Church, let's make our church family a place where lead servants are consistently, one, confessing our sins and mistakes to God and to others and dealing with our sins and mistakes with God and others. And you see, as we do those two things, as we commit to consistently confessing our sins and mistakes and dealing with our sins and mistakes, the gap between our public life And our private life starts to shrink. And our lives and our church becomes more and more about Jesus. So, anyone feeling disqualified yet? (laughs) Yeah. Thankfully, while it's good to have high standards of leaders, we have the leader Jesus who's who's the only one who ever qualifies anyone to do anything within a church. The late David Paulison, a Christian counselor and author, said it like this, and it's on the screen for you. You become generous and merciful to others by continually receiving generous mercies. You learn how to protect others by finding refuge in the Lord. You develop into a good parent by living as a well-fathered child of your heavenly father. You develop into a masterful leader by living, as a, by living as a well-taught learner. You develop into a caring pastor of others by living as a well-pastored sheep of your shepherd. You become a surprisingly good counselor by being well-counseled by your wonderful counselor. The order matters. The order really does matter. You can appear to be a respectable lead servant, but you can't actually be a respectable lead servant inside and out without continually depending on Christ's leadership in your life. You see, walking with Christ and even leading on behalf of Christ starts and ends with just living dependently on God with just going, God, I can't lead this today without you. God, I cannot do this, serve these other people today without you. And this should be a relief to us. We need to continually depend on Christ's leadership and, let, and then let his character flow through us to others. You know, Mark 10, 45, I, I referenced this earlier. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, get to know him. Get to know Jesus more and more through his word, through prayer, and through his people, and the fruits of the Spirit will start to pour out of your life. And if you were just to to boil all of these qualifications we've seen the last couple weeks down into one thing, it would be the fruits of the Spirit. All of these things, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, fruits of the Spirit. All of that comes not from trying super hard, although we should bring our effort to the table, but by relying super hard on Christ, by coming to Him more and more to be filled up by Him so that we can display the fruits of the Spirit, so that we can become those things. And the lead servant of lead servants, Jesus, will be with you. We need to look to him for strength. So, on a real practical level, to end this morning, who are deacons at Stonebridge Church? Well, it's actually just anyone who's in leadership here who isn't an elder. Now, there's varying degrees of leadership and expectations for each. And it changes as we go, as needs arise or needs ebb and flow or go away. So these these are changing. But who are like the lead servants? Who are like the lead servants of the lead servants here at Stonebridge Church? Well, I, I think it's found in three main groups. So the first group is the staff. And so I say this often staff exists here to help carry out the vision of the elders. That's our role as staff, to carry out the vision of the elders. So Stacy Picklap, our administrative director, prime example of a respectable lead servant of a deacon within our church. She really for all practical purposes, is kind of the glue holding everything together. But it's so important not just because Stacy is really productive, but she is amazed by Jesus. And she's also really relational and good with people as she does tasks. Josh, our youth and worship pastor, he's leading and serving and shepherding our youth and our worship ministry. And it's all under the big picture vision of the elders. And what I love about Josh is he does a good job of not siloing. So sometimes in churches you have ministries that are like, oh, they're just kind of off over here doing their own thing, and the rest of the church is kind of going this direction. He does a good job of wetting those together and, and staying on the same page, so we're moving in the same direction. And then me as lead pastor, those at least right now, that's the three staff members we have. And you might think, and I'm sure you think, I'm sure people have thought this because they joke about it and half the time it feels like they're not actually joking. But, um, but anyway, me as a lead pastor, people think, yeah, what does he do? It must be nice to only work on Sunday, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I wish. Um, but I just wanted to share ways that I serve, that I am a lead servant around here, not to boast, but to help you actually see how things function around here. So I lead and serve our connection group leaders. I lead and serve our staff. I lead and serve our preaching ministry. So even if I'm not the one up here, I'm coordinating, working with them on how to flow things together from Sunday to Sunday. I'm leading and serving by counseling people. And among other things that I do, which, I mean, I could the list would be quite long, but those are kind of the main things. But day to day, I just seek to be a lead servant. And I think it's a beautiful structure that we have that I function both as an elder and as a deacon. It, it functions nicely as kind of a, a bridge so we're all kind of staying on the same page. And like I said, not siloing, but all kind of going in the same direction. So that's kind of the first group of deacons, the staff. The second group around here is our ministry leaders. So our ministry leaders, we have Dave Niebel, who runs Sound and Tech. We've got Heather Yoder, my wife, who leads our third through fifth grade ministry. We've got Emily Smith, uh, who leads our women's ministry and helps Stacy out with our D6 children's ministry pretty significantly as well. And underneath her, our Bible study leaders are Esther Meader and Chris Shaver and Elaine Palmer and Stacey Picklap. And then Tim Ellis, Um, is our deacon, so to speak, our lead servant of missions. And Randy Shaver leads our men's ministry. And Joel Meter here leads our facilities team. Um, Greg Picklap leads our Home for a While program, which is a house across the street where we help guys get back on their feet. And I would mention, too, on this level, uh, Robert Alley, who is our live-in resident there and walks alongside those guys. And then under all of these people I just mentioned are team members. And so we function in our church with plurality. So that's why you don't see me preaching all the time up here. We, we believe that we are called, and we see this all over Scripture, we are called not to just have one person leading these things, although we have defined leadership of who's leading what, but we work together in plurality of leadership together. So we have teams that are working together to make decisions and get things done within our church family. I think the third level of deacons around here are connection group leaders. And these are couples that are leading together to help create Christ-centered community within our church. And so right now, that's Ryan and Elaine Palmer, Zach and Sarah Moreno, um, myself and Heather, Josh and Kate Beeman, Greg and Stacey Picklap, Kevin and Sarah Lambert, and Tim and Debbie Ellis. So I just rattled off a bunch of different names, a bunch of different ministries. So if I just said your name, I would like you to stand right now. Please don't be shy. Yeah, you can give them a hand. It's great. It's good. No, keep standing. Keep standing. All right. I would like someone to come up. And sorry, Dave, I didn't give you a heads up. Can can I use this mic? All right. Um would someone be willing to come up and pray for these leaders? Travis, would you be willing to come up and pray for these leaders? <laughs> Thanks, man. And if you're around them too, yeah. Yeah, stand up. If you if I yeah, if you're a staff, you're a ministry team leader, you're leading a Bible study, you're leading a connection group, good. And if you're around them, why don't you just put If you feel comfortable, lay your hands on them, and uh, we'll pray for them. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the leaders that you've raised up in this church. We thank you for their heart and their desire. We thank you that we can rest in the comfort that we know that they're seeking you as they seek to lead us. Um, Just ask that we would follow well and that you would have them lead us well. Pray that you would forgive their sins when they fail. All Mm -hmm. this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Travis. Appreciate it. All right, you can have a seat. That's good. Yeah, and worship team, you can come on up. And as the worship team's coming up here, I just told you all to sit down. Y'all can actually stand right back up. And as we're standing, transition back to worship. I just want to encourage you. There's, There's lots of opportunities to serve people, not just in formal ways around the church. There's opportunities to serve people all the time. It could look as simple as going up to someone today after the service. And just saying, hey, how can I pray for you today? That is a simple way to serve someone. So just have your eyes out this week with the help of the Holy Spirit. How can I be serving other people in my church family? So, All right, let's end with this song.